Welcome to the podcast, Bringing Truth to Life, where we talk about what the scriptures say that can help you get unstuck from the thorny issues of life and encourage you to live the life you've been wanting to live with Christ. Our speaker today is Henry Clay. We are in a series called Best Friends Forever, looking at the principles that move you to a deeper level of oneness and joy with your spouse. May this be helpful to you, and may it also give you truth to share with those you seek to encourage. But our topic tonight is fighting the right battles, uh, spiritual warfare in the family, and this is one of our talks with uh, our best friends forever, couples study. Ephesians 6 is the classic passage in the whole Bible on spiritual warfare. It's just uh, like 10 verses long, but it gives an awful lot of information that's just really helpful. Ephesians 6, 12 and 13 says, For we are not fighting against people. Could have fooled me, huh? (laughs) A lot of struggles going on seemingly with people. But he says, actually, the Christian should not view the world that way. Uh, We're not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world, and against wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. Use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy uh, in the time of evil, so that after the battle, you will still be standing firm. And the fact is, we're, we are at war, whether you know it or not. You know, so, uh, This is a topic, I think, as you in- interface with your children, as your children interface with the world, as you interface with other couples, your extended family, there are things going on all over the place. And things happen that make you realize we're only aware of the tip of the iceberg. Uh, you know, there's, there's even more than what we thought. And the fact is the devil is on the prowl, and his aim is to destroy your marriage, your family. 1 Peter 5.8 is the passage about the Satan prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's really... Terribly picturesque. John 10.10 says the thief, talking about Satan, he comes only to steal and kill and destroy. So the fact is you have someone that is bent on your destruction, that he's actually thinking about it, planning for it. I mean, if you knew that there was an actual human person that uh, had your name, your number, your picture was getting his weapons set, was planning on doing something to you, uh, you would be concerned about it. And the fact is, somebody a whole lot more powerful than just a person has your number and knows where you live and is just watching to see what's the best way to be as difficult as possible for uh, for this couple, for this family. So when we think about what's the nature of our enemies, the first one is the the world. It's a whole system of thought that that, that is set up, obviously influenced by Satan. And I would say it's centered on lies. It's centered on things that that are just not true but that mislead you. And the fact is at least in the life of a Christian, there's a lot of things that God just doesn't allow Satan to do. He doesn't have free reign. And as one person said one time, there are only three people that can destroy your life. You, 
God and the devil. Now, I've got good news for you. God loves you, so he's not planning on doing that. So that only leaves two. Uh, And God doesn't give the devil free reign. And he's not going to allow the devil just to come in unless you, you know, invite him in. I mean, there are things you can do to partner with the devil and destroy your family. But if you're just uh, following God, doing what you ought to be doing, God's not going to let the devil do that. So that only leaves one person that can destroy your life. And that's you. But how is the devil involved in that? Through the world system, he tries to get you to think the wrong way. And you find somebody on the Internet that you dated back in high school 20 years ago. And uh, you begin thinking, I wonder if that would have worked out. And, and they, you meet with them and they turn out to be your soulmate and this and that and the other. Where do those thoughts come from? You stood up in front of a whole group of people and pledged no matter what to be faithful to this spouse. And now because you think somebody else is your soulmate, you're going to leave your spouse? You know, that's, that's an absorption of a wrong way of thinking and lies so that the devil doesn't have to push you off the cliff. You jump. That's what the world is. That's what is coming through. Every, every movie, every show on TV, all of them are evangelistic. They are all preaching the gospel of this world, of self-righteousness, of pride, of me first, of getting revenge, at, at whatever cost, you, you could make a whole long list of things. Uh, Romans 12.2 says, Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. And it is always trying to do that. Second, the flesh. The flesh, and that's our... That's a, the, the world is outside of us. The flesh is the part inside that the, out, that the world is appealing to. Uh, they, the world will drop the bait, but it's counting on that uh, there's something in me that, that wants that bait. And even if I know it's wrong, I'm still thinking about it <laughs> and considering it. It's centered on our, our desires, what we want. And Galatians 5 is a great passage on the flesh. He says, don't use your freedom. God's given you freedom. He's called you to freedom. But don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And he talks about, he says, nobody needs to go to college to find out what what we're talking about by the deeds or the actions of the flesh. And he gives a a list of all these different things, sorcery and enmity and witchcraft and and strife and slander. And he says, but the the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And he says, you you don't need to be real smart to figure this out. But he says, uh, the flesh is a terribly destructive enemy and it lives inside you and causes all kind of troubles. And third, the devil. uh, And that, I would just say that's centered on bondages uh, as far as what's a a main thing that comes up in terms of the devil. Because, I mean, most people don't see the devil, see demons. You know, they hear about these things and think, well, I don't know. I mean, I would take it by faith. You know, I, I guess they're there, but there, there are some isolated instances where it's a little bit more overt, but usually it's not. But where you do see it an awful lot is something that starts off with the world and the flesh, you know, it, like drugs or something. The world says, oh, this is fun, do that. So the flesh says, okay, well, I'll do that. It'll make me be cool and it'll be fun. And you get into drugs or drinking or certain activities, and it's easy, very easy to get into it, but it's very difficult to get out of it. There's an addictive nature. And there's um, a lot of times things, things like that 
I believe have a spiritual component, that it's not just the flesh, that one of the things that makes certain addictions so hard to break is that Satan gets involved and strengthens the, the tie that's to that thing. And that's one of the reasons, I think, that explains why it's, so, it's such, a, such a binding thing. Bitterness can be a, such a, a, a binding thing for someone. I mean, we did know a navigator couple up in New York. Their daughter committed suicide, and the next day she was in, the mom went, was in the room where the, where the daughter had committed suicide, and she actually saw a demon. And when they saw the movie The Passion, and that uh, child turned its face, that, that demon baby turned its face, she said, that's the face I saw in my daughter's room uh, on that spirit. So, I mean, it does happen. There is some of that, but it's, it's not that common. But the devil is real, um, and it's and it's very important to know how do we how do we confront a world that's uh, got such formidable enemies in it uh, in terms of the world system, in terms of what's going on inside of us as well that 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 trips us up, and then on top of that, there's Satan that once once we move in an evil direction, he's willing to give us an added shove. So let's have a group discussion right now. In terms of these three things and of your understanding of it, what are some examples that you're seeing? Could be an extended family, people you know, but try to identify some examples under each of these three in what you've experienced about life so far. Okay, so take a moment to do that. All right, well, let's uh, talk about it a little bit. How about some examples in terms of the world? The world, and of course, there's a there's a certain amount of overlap between all three. I mean, it's yeah. you probably almost never have something that was purely just one of the three. Uh, but any, what examples did you come up with? And of course, we're not sure, you know, in that particular situation how it all started and stuff. But uh, but obviously, uh, violated money and fame. Kid grow up today, think, oh, you know, I didn't have so much money. That's what I want, and I think it's Satan knocking on the door constantly. Now, it's not to say that people with money have not been successful followers of Christ and, and the thing to do, mm-hmm. the right way to walk, but uh, certainly it's one of the biggest lies in my, in my book. You know? yep. And, and uh, you know, I struggle sometimes because I like things, you know, I like my toys and stuff, but I, I do struggle with materialism and, and where I'm putting that as a priority in my life. Mm-hmm. And I do think that's one of the world lies. A very strong one, very strong one in the Western world. Yes? Um, there's so many things in the world. I was uh, telling them my sister is in a big academic circle. Her, she's a mm-hmm. PhD in mathematical philosophy, and she's up there in Boston. And, and it's her whole view of truth is so, you know, um, relative. My truth and, um, is not your truth. There's no absolute truth. So she defines what's right for her and so she can't you know we talk and she just can't even cross over and begin and then I think there's two and I love my sister and I pray for her but um, and I'm not without fault so I want to sit here and bash my sister but um, but I think there's a, a lot of pride in some circles too and this idea with the world that we're supposed to be so independent and and so you can't in a faith where it's sort of a, I mean, we have to be completely dependent on God. You know, it just doesn't work, you know. It just, it doesn't fit the world's view with all that. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
And that appeals to our flesh because we're, you know, proud and in rebellion against God. Yeah. What else? We talked about like the commercialism and just like TV and how it tells us if we buy this beer, we'll be popular, or this car, or if we stay at this hotel. That you mean that's smart. not true? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so just all the lies yeah. that we're bombarded with commercially. That, that's, mm-hmm. and, and it's so influential, I think, for our kids. Mm-hmm. Has anybody had any... Uh, what they would consider more of a, a run-in with with uh, the devil or demons. I don't know. And this kind of a you ask that in Latin America, and half the hands would go up. But uh, I think the, the, you, Clark, and then uh, no, I, I definitely haven't gone into that. But I think I think that I hate to say this, but I think it's pretty slippy him not to do that. Yeah, because I mean the stealth is what's going to. Right. He would never win a beauty contest. Uh, <laughs> if people realize he's real, then maybe God's real. And uh, yeah, Kim. I was just going to say. Um, I mean, I definitely think there's a power struggle. You know, um, in my younger years, I remember knowing that he was trying to get a toehold on me. You know. Mm-hmm. So um, that scared me. You know, because I knew somebody was trying to take me, you know, and I didn't want to go. So I said, yeah. <laughs> I felt that. I mean, it's, it's scary. Yeah. But yeah. It's, I knew, I mean, I knew God was protecting me. So it was, it was scary to feel that struggle, though. Elizabeth? Well, I just, and John and I talked about it just as, as um, um, in taking on certain roles and, and just getting more involved in church in a certain role that I've been doing this year and just kind of stepping up and being here um, and being in scripture more and just, just really trying to live it more, we felt a lot more like we were being attacked. We've just seen more difficulties in you know, things. And I mean, nothing, you know, no images in the mirror popping up or, you know, but um, you know, it it just didn't seem to be coincidence mm-hmm. to us. It yeah. didn't seem to be just the normal stuff of, you know, the hassle of the day, you know. Right. Um, it, I mean, it didn't. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's almost like, you know, why would you bother to just, you know, put on this quarantine here? He's got so much stuff already. Just he, He's it's hiding the plane side all over the place. You know? Right. He's, uh, you know, he'd be... Uh, he'd, well, in our experience, we just want to share a couple of things from our experience as far as just spiritual, what we would call spiritual warfare. I may have shared this in another context with parenting, but when Thomas was about three years old, he got into this thing of he'd just get in a, a foul mood and he would walk around like a vulture face, you know, kind of like this, and it would just sort of spread gloom through the house and um, and so we talked to him about it that didn't help we tried disciplining him that didn't help we get, tried time out that didn't help he just sit out there and time out the vulture you know and uh, 
And we were just like, we were running out of things to try. Uh, really felt like we needed to do something about it, but nothing was working. And someone, I told somebody about it, and he says, well, do you think it might be spiritual? You know, it hadn't occurred to me, I'm this full-time Christian worker, you know. Oh, it might be spiritual. So I thought, well, you know, why not? So the next time Thomas was going through that, I called him over. I says, Thomas, I know this has been hard for you. Why don't you just sit on Daddy's lap and I'm going to pray against this attitude or spirit that's troubling you. And I had a quick prayer for him, put my hand on his head, prayed for him, and it was gone. I mean, he, it, we were both so amazed. I mean, he was only three. Whenever it would happen, after that, he would come for prayer, and it, it always worked, you know. I mean, I don't know what it was, but, uh, but just realizing some things are, are, have a more of a, a stronger spiritual component than you would have thought. When we in our first four years in Argentina, it was uh, pretty challenging working with students and not very fruitful. And none of the works were uh, the other ministries were being fruitful either. And our leader came one time. And he says, "I've prayed about it, and I think what's what's going on and what's the main thing we need to address is spiritual warfare." And we thought he was off his rocker. I mean, what do you what do you mean spiritual warfare? We just haven't found out figured out how to do this, you know. And we thought our poor leader, you know, he is so clueless. Well. That was in 89, and then we went off, went, went on furlough, because at the end of the 89, pretty much our whole ministry collapsed. As everyone else has had, uh, you know, in, in our, the Navigator ministry. And so we, when we were back on furlough here in the States, I read the book This Present Darkness, which is a novel, but it shows in the story, it, it t- talks about, uh, or it makes the... the the unseen world visible with the angels and demons and, and shows the effect of people praying or sinning or, or you know and it really got me thinking about the our, our experience and maybe there was uh, a lot more spiritual warfare going on than we even realized and so I, I dedicated that year to really learning more about about praying in fact since I've done so much reading my Bible and so little praying I prohibited myself reading my Bible that year in my quiet time unless God gave me permission uh, so that I would be forced to spend my half-hour hour just praying during my quiet time. And it helped me kind of balance out my lopsidedness. But uh, then we got involved with the, with the churches in Argentina, and they'd seen an awful lot of stuff, just because in, our, in Latin America there's been a whole lot more witchcraft, and, and so you get a lot more overt demonic activity in situations like that. But... Uh, that was where I learned that I've got to be praying every day for my family, naming them before before the Lord, and just like Job, you know, every that Job predated Abraham, but every day he was out there making sacrifices and prayers for his family. He says, "Who knows if one of my children may have sinned against the Lord?" And Wendy's got a couple of things she's, she'll share too. Yeah, um, I think I think it was such an eye opener for us. Um, being in Argentina, uh, since it was overt, you know, um, I mean, it, it was it, the invisible almost became visible there. Y- you know, we just realized that so many of our methods were just methods, that we were doing a lot of things in the flesh, uh, including raising our children. You know, you'd learn these good things that you do, and as long as you, you know, 
correct them or do all this whole list of things, everything will be okay. And then you realize, whoa, it's not. Um, uh, and we, our very first couple study, I guess, was uh, it was like our fifth year in Argentina, so it's it's been a while ago now. But there was this one lady who who kept sharing with us, you know, because we're talking about parenting and everything with them. Maybe it's a parents, was it parenting or parenting. couple? It was parenting study. Okay, our first parenting study, and she just kept talking about how she could not love her daughter. So we would give her different ideas of things to do. Well, why don't you try this with your daughter, you know, and she'd come back the next week. And I mean, finally, you know, we realized, wait a minute, you know, because now we're hearing more of of, uh, looking at things in a spiritual perspective. And so it was like we realized this woman, there's a bondage here. She can't love her daughter. It's not just a matter of us giving her an activity to do. There is something that is keeping her from loving her daughter. And uh, so we had, there was a woman in our church who who had a a really powerful ministry in um, deliverance and in praying with someone, with uh, people with bondage. Turns out this lady, unbeknownst to us, she's living in a house that witches used to live in. Uh, She's been involved in uh, something like the Ouija board, they call it the copa. She used to look in a mirror and she didn't see herself. I mean, you know, we don't know any of this. We're just doing our little Bible study. Well, why don't you try with your daughter doing this activity? And why don't you, you know? So that was our one of our very first experiences with this. Uh, and the lady, after the time of confessing and praying, um, she was a different person, and she and her she was able to love her daughter. I mean, she was totally transformed. Um, we had one of our children that we felt like, you know, sometimes it sounds funny. You don't know what to call it, but it was just like a spirit of violence or something. I mean, this child was very cruel to animals, very cruel to uh, siblings, you know, would express their anger by choking and we're like you know of course we do the normal things of discipline and stuff but we felt like there's a spiritual battle here so we began to wage war uh in the heavenlies you know every praying uh i remember us going in our bedroom and kneeling down together and and fighting the battle in prayer for this child. This child's one of the most loving people now. Um, try not to say the names of the kids. Uh, we had one child that just had very unique difficulties that, you know, the first thing that we always share um, in our parenting is, when, or at least I do, when I would see a sin area or a weakness in our children, the first thing I do is look to myself. Is that something that I'm struggling with that I need to deal with first, you know, and um, that I'm maybe my child is getting that from me or Henry? And with this particular child, we realize these are not areas that it, it's not here. You know, this isn't our struggle. But we could see another in the extended family uh, in 
my line, I'll take the blame, <laughs> of the family and ancestor who struggled with the same thing. So we uh, began to pray for this child and breaking the bondages of, you know, where it says that the sins are passed from generation to generation. With um, one of our children, well, this one I, I can say because I think I have shared it in the parenting, with, with Thomas, uh, when he was probably eight, I saw a video of him when he was two that someone else had taken. We didn't have a video camera ourselves, but we were visiting them, and they were showing a video of back, you know, six years earlier. And I looked at that video, and he was the cutest, sweetest little boy. And that was not my memory of him. My memory was of difficulties, of being frustrated, of of him bothering me. And God used that to show me that I had rejected him at that point, not because of anything in him. It was struggles that I was going through at the time. And when God showed me this, Thomas was going through a difficult time of not being able to go to sleep at night. He was suffering from different anxieties. Uh, Thomas is our kid that, I mean, he knows this and doesn't mind me sharing. We, we thought that today he'd be diagnosed as autistic from the way he was at that point. He had a fixation on numbers. He cleared his throat all the time. He washed his hands all the time. He had these certain things that we really went to battle for him in prayer. Even he was monotone. He has practically perfect pitch now. He plays the keyboard. But anyway, when I saw that, I called him in and uh, alone, and I put him on my lap, even though he was eight or nine, I can't remember. And I told him, I said, you know, I just need to tell you, to ask your forgiveness. I said, it's no blame on your part, but I was going through a very difficult time when you were two. Walt was four and Annie was one. And it was our, our second year in Argentina. It was a hard time for me. And so I just asked his forgiveness uh, for that. And um, we had such a tender time together. I cried. He cried. And he says, well, Mommy, he says, I don't. I don't remember anything, but I forgive you, you know. And But there was a marked change in Thomas after that. There was an amazing change in him. And I don't know in the heavenlies, you know, I, I, I have learned through all of this that just like in the real physical world, there are rules of like gravity that, you know, if, if, I, if I let go of this, it's going to fall. And I, I know that because that's the way God has set up the physical rules. And there are also spiritual rules that things that have cause and effect in the spiritual realm and our prayers have a huge effect on what's going on in the spiritual realm and so we've just seen that it's hard to be specific because you want to you know protect your children and um it seems like this is an area that you know is much more personal and so but anyway those are just a few things thank you thank you Well, what opens the door to Satan in your family? This is the second major point. It's it's very important that you realize that Satan just can't come barging in. Uh, There are ways that you actually invite him in, as if you didn't have enough troubles already. Sexual immorality, pornography, uh, the whole area of God has placed in you the river of life, which is your sexuality, your ability to reproduce a new generation. And uh, Satan particularly, uh, it's one of the top three things that can lead to uh, demonic oppression 
is uh, sexual immorality in particular when it involves another person, but pornography also. Second, unforgiveness and bitterness. Uh, Hebrews 12.15 says, make sure you don't allow a root of bitterness in your life that it will defile many. Ignorance, ignorance of the scripture, just not, not knowing. I mean, it, it makes it so much easier for Satan to deceive you with lies just because you just don't even know what the scripture teaches. Uh, rebellion is another big one because Satan, you know, is, is, a, is a rebel. And, and when, when you're in rebellion, uh, wives against husbands, husbands against employers or your pastor or your church leadership, uh, you know, we've been nurtured on uh, the Declaration of Independence. And we carry that into all areas of our life. If, if any leader doesn't do it just like we would do it, if we were the leader, then we figure that gives us the right to rebel. But that actually uh, aligns us with Satan. So it's important to realize that and not pat yourself on the back for it. The lies, uh, it's a terrible, terrible thing in, in, uh, in, in, peop- in people's lives when they give themselves over to lying. And even the, the less offensive shows on TV, like some sitcoms, they still are, are filled with a setting a pattern of you get in trouble, you lie, you try to lie your way out of it. And that's what the whole plot is. And a lot of people live their life in that, that, that way. And the cheating in school and a lot of things like that. But you need to realize who is the father of lies? It's Satan. So when you choose to establish a pattern of lying in your life, you or your husband or your wife or your children, you're aligning yourself with Satan himself. And it's one of the ways you kind of open a door there. And finally, obviously, occult practices, Ouija boards, certain, certain games, certain video games, they just really move in that kind of a direction. And that also is a false worship and invites Satan in. So what should we do about this? You know, and it's not just a matter of trying to circle the wagons and, uh, well, let's see if we can protect our marriage, our, our children. You do what you can. Uh, but it's also learning how to engage the enemy and the situation and also teaching your children how to because you're, you're not always going to be there for your children. They, they move into the teen years and they're, they're kind of out of your control. And so you can try to be real hovering, but you can't. I mean, you're just not there. And they're going to be in situations that they have to learn how to police themselves. So let's talk number three about our weapons, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. He says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. And we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. We're taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. It says we've got to realize we have spiritual weapons that are powerful weapons for the tearing down of strongholds that Satan has built up. I stuck in there the Acts 19 passage. That's where the seven sons of Siva try to help this guy that's demonized and the demon speaks back to these seven Jewish guys that aren't, aren't Christians but, but are trying to use exorcism <laughs> techniques, you know. And the demon says, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And leaps on them and beats them all up and they run out naked and, and hurt. Uh, and the question is, the, the, the observation is, the devil knew not only Jesus, it knew Paul by name. And the question is, are you known in hell? 
you know, if you were in a situation where there was where there was an evil spirit, would he say, well, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? In other words, you're a total featherweight in this uh, battle because you have not made the right choices in terms of how you're going to govern your life. So these aren't put in any order, but these are the things that will make you known in hell, (laughs) that will make you difficult for the enemy to do much with because you've chosen to align your life with the principles that God has said, this is the way, walk in it. The first one is prayer, Matthew 26, 41, about watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. And I wonder, how is your prayer life? Are you praying? Do you lift up your family by name every day? Uh, Do you have a prayer list? Uh, Do you have a place where you pray? Is prayer something you do together as a couple? And none of these things are, are magic or, you know, you have, well, how much you got to do? Five minutes or will, will ten minutes do? Or, but uh, I, want, I want to just throw these 12 examples of spiritual weapons out because these are the things that make you powerful, protected. They, they, they set you in a stronger stance for the onslaught that everybody feels, but some people just aren't prepared for it. Second is unity, Mark 3:25. First one is prayer, second, unity. Mark 3.25, Jesus says, Any house divided against itself can't stand. He's talking about spiritual warfare there. And that's why it's so important for you to work at being of one accord. There, There may be something right now that you're facing that you're really at loggerheads about. And you've got to keep calling out to God because some things are really difficult to resolve. Uh, obviously, if your spouse would just wise up and see it your way, it would be resolved. But it's not quite that simple. It might be some decision related to church, to your children, to your finances. But you really need to realize we can't allow disunity to persist without really, really calling out to God to help us through this and to help us find some solution that will, will work for us. Third is praise. Praise. 2 Chronicles 20 tells the story of Jehoshaphat who was going out to battle. And it was the one battle in the whole Bible where instead of sending the soldiers out, they sent the choir out. And the choir went out singing, The Lord's loving kindness is everlasting. And God defeated all the enemies. Uh, and they started fighting against each other and finally fled. And it was the, the choir won the battle. But the importance and the power of praise, a lot of people never, ever learn how to praise God. They, they know how to complain. They know how to go to church. But they don't know how to praise God. I said, I'm going to give you five minutes. I want you to pray with your spouse just praising God. I don't want you to thank Him for anything. I don't want you to ask Him for anything. I don't want you to tell Him how bad you are. Just praise God. Just look at Him and admire Him for five minutes. Talk about how great He is. You couldn't do it. Most of you. Now, one of the things that helps you get stronger in praise is you find there's tons of good praise music out there. Find what uh, is in harmony with your heart because we each have different tastes and, and preferences in music. You may be more a classical type. You may be more of a rock and roll. You may be something soft rock. I don't know, but there's a Christian music, praise music for you. 
but that's one of the things that helps me. You know, when I, when I pray, when I study my Bible, I've got that praise music on. And a lot of times it, you can just tell it gives you that, that lift as you think about. One thing that helps me is going through the alphabet, you know, and picking a letter, each letter, and, and what is a word to praise the Lord. Give me an example. A, he is abundant in his grace. That grace would be G, but anyway. Okay, great. Uh, we did have one story of a dear friend of ours. They, they actually in Argentina were having a, a problem with a person that was manifesting a demon, and that was going on in the, in the kitchen, and the rest were supporting him in prayer out in the living room. And at one point they were having to, just a time of just praising God. This girl gets up. And tries to flee, runs in, trying to go through the door into the living room to leave the house. And it's like she hits a wall and falls back on her back. And right at that moment, they were just praising God. So I always remember that. It says, yes, we're going to praise the Lord here. Uh, Fourth, gratitude and contentment. You know, Genesis 3 is where they, where... Eve has everything she needs, a perfect God, perfect world, perfect husband, perfect body, and she falls into sin because she's not happy. She's discontent. And your your gratitude and contentment's never dependent on the circumstances. Fifth, surrender. The idea of being surrendered to God's will is crucial because who you're surrendered to is who is your Lord. And when people surrender themselves to sin, they're really surrendering themselves to, to Satan. But your uh, willingness to say, Lord, no matter what your will is, I'm willing to do it. Sixth, light or tr- and transparency. Light and transparency. First John 5 says, and this is what the message we've heard from him. God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. The need to walk in the light, confess sin, to stop hiding when you or moving into a sinful direction, you keep it all covered and hidden instead of saying, I, I'm going to have to talk with somebody about that. You're playing into the devil's hand. But if you come and shine the light on it, find someone to talk to about it, don't keep it covered up, that's a, that's a powerful spiritual weapon against what Satan's trying to do. Seventh, the Scripture. Scripture. Matthew 4 is Jesus' temptation. Every time he's tempted there, he says what? It is written. It is written. It is written. Quoting Scripture. If even the Son of God, who anything that comes out of His mouth is Scripture, chooses rather to quote what is already written down, how much more should we pay attention to that and realize we need to know know our Bibles? Eighth, humility. Humility. James 4, 9, and 10. Uh, I don't have that verse here, but anyway, but it talks about humble yourself before God and resisting Satan. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord. He will exalt you. The devil is is proud. So when you move in a way of arrogance and pride, again, you align yourself with the devil. But if you choose to humble yourself, that's a powerful wall against Satan. Ninth, submission to authority. Uh, We already kind of talked about that, but the devil is rebellious. And, and so to have an eye of and a, a sensitivity to when you're actually rising up with a rebellious spirit. Say, no, I'm going to, this is the authority that God's given me. 
I'm going to approach it in a, in a humble and submissive way, even though I don't agree, but I'm trusting that God's in control and he's going to show me what to do. Tenth, evangelism. Uh, Revelation 12:11, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even to death. And evangelism is where we're actually advancing uh, in, uh, against the kingdom of darkness. Says, Jesus says, the gates, even the gates of hell will not prevail. So obviously the gates aren't coming out attacking us. They're, that's where we're advancing even to his very gates. And the way we do that is sharing our faith. Eleventh, forgiveness. Uh, this is a huge door for demons. An unwillingness to forgive. And that passage in Matthew 18 implies that God allows demons to torture people that uh, refuse to forgive. But whether or not that's the case, it's obvious that he takes it very seriously. He says, So also will your heavenly Father do to you if you do not forgive everyone from your heart. So he really tries to underline that, like this is very important. Twelfth, spiritual authority and your stance in Christ. Spiritual authority and your stance in Christ. The Bible says in Ephesians 1 that you're in Christ and God has seated Christ in the heavenly places. And so that means that you are seated in the heavenly places in a spiritual sense, in a status sense. And he says far above, not just a slightly above, but far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named. In other words, all demons, Satan, everything. You're in, as long as you're in Christ, you're above all of that. Now you're still in that same book. He talks about we're in a war, you need armor. So obviously... You shouldn't take it to the thing. Well, he can't. He can't touch me. Oh yeah, you open the door. You invite him in. You say, "Come on in. Let's have a party." He's coming in. You know, you had. A, you also have authority to throw your life away. But uh, to to realize that you have spiritual authority, and to not give in to a spirit of fear, but to realize, no, we. Uh, you know, we are unified, we are praying, we're praising, we're thanking God, we're surrendered to His will, and Lord, we come against this in Jesus' name and ask you to bring it to give us the victory. You've got to learn to pray. Your life depends on it. It's, it's your spiritual oxygen. Not, not to pray is a, is a crime against heaven. And I remember our friend who knew so much about praying for people that were troubled by evil spirits and stuff like that and done it for 50 years but she would look at someone and, she, and talk with them a little bit and she says falta oración says they don't pray much they need, they need to pray more I mean there's some things that nothing else will take the place will take the place of that now, I want to just give you one example here we've got a little bit of time because we've talked in terms of principles and that's, that's good you need to a, a develop the ability of in particular situations well what but what do we do give us give us an idea so on your uh, sheet you've got uh, this passage from James 4 and I wanted us to take a look at this and apply it in a, a specific situation of sibling rivalry maybe not all of you have kids but anybody that has multiple kids has strife and so just thinking about taking a look at this passage but thinking in specific about that situation uh, where uh, this uh, boy and girl or these two boys or these two girls aren't, aren't getting along and thinking now with our spiritual warfare spectacles on uh, what are we seeing in this passage and I'll, let's just walk through it 
If we had more time, we'd probably just let you do it there at the tables. But let's see what we can see as we go through this in terms of what are the enemies identified here and what are the weapons and tactics that we're urged to employ. James 4.1, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Isn't it the whole army of evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous for what others have, and you can't possess it, so you fight and quarrel to take it away from them. And yet the reason you don't have what you want is that you don't ask God for it. So what have you seen so far as far as enemies? Jealousy. Jealousy. And that's, that's the flesh, right? Evil desires, jealousy, wanting stuff. What Any tactics that should have been employed that weren't? but it mentions them. Prayer. Prayer. And uh, contentment. If they'd been content, uh, there wouldn't have been such a battle going on. Verse 3, even when you do ask, you don't get it because your whole motive is wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with this world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, that if your aim is to enjoy this world, you can't be a friend of God. Any uh, enemies mentioned there? The world? See, this kind of overlaps, doesn't it? Uh, What do you think the Scriptures mean when they say that the Holy Spirit, whom God has placed within us, jealously longs for us to be faithful? He gives us more and more strength to stand against such evil desires. As the Scriptures say, God sets himself against the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So what are some tactics or things that we should try from those verses? Humility, prayer, and asking the Holy Spirit to work in your life. It mentions the scriptures twice, so they're aware of, uh, they're, uh, in terms of bringing scriptural truth in there. Uh, taking your position in Christ to resist the devil. Verse 8, draw close to God and God will draw close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you hypocrites. Let there be tears for the wrong things you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. When you bow down before the Lord and admit your dependence on Him, He will lift you up and give you honor. What other tactics or things? Submission to authority? Confession? Repentance? Yeah, being willing to admit your true condition, but that's like coming into the light. Uh, There's faith of of learning to trust and depend on God. Now you think all that's in in there. You see, I realize this is just a couple seminar, not a parenting thing, but let me, I think we can kind of illustrate it with that. Uh, Your children come into life and they don't know how things work. And they just find themselves doing stuff. And you kind of think, well, you... You tell me you ought to know better than that. But who's, who's ever taught them? This does a spiritual x-ray of what's going on in sibling rivalry and in any kind of argument. But, I mean, you can apply it to that. And this is a ton of things they don't know unless you tell them. And that's the kind of training uh, you can give your kids. Let's go over this passage and try and figure out why, why this is happening. If you handle sibling rivalry with, y'all just have to get along. Y'all need to get along. You go over there. You'll go over there. You say you're sorry. Et you haven't gotten to the root of it. You haven't equipped them for sp- the spiritual battle that's actually going on underneath all that sibling rivalry. This passage could also be used in terms of the pressure that's on your kids in terms of clothes at school or the, the, the different things that are going on. But this is the bringing in Scripture 
and showing them what does the scripture teach about what's the nature of the battle you're facing and what should you do about it. What's the right thing to do? What's the wrong thing to do? What are the consequences? The key to your children's success is their ability to have good relationships. And this passage is talking about what, what's, t- what's tearing down all relationships. But this gives you an example of how to bring in spiritual warfare and the, and the understanding of it, bring, it, bring it into your family based on a specific thing that's going on. You know, if, it, if it's something else, if it's something related to, to lust, pornography, you'd go to James chapter 1 that says, you know, temptation doesn't come from God, but each one is tempted when he has led us away by his uh, sinful desires, like the bait is dropped and he's thinking about it, it goes in like a seed, then it germinates, it produces sin, and then the fruit of that is death. And it, and it gives you an, an overview of what's the nature of physical uh, sinful temptation and what to do about it. You've got to equip your kids to be able to fight this battle. Now, a resource we want to suggest is a book called The Bondage Breaker. The Bondage Breaker, where you've got the information there by Neil Anderson. And if you've never been through that, you might want to get the book. It's really, really good. But it's got seven steps to freedom in Christ. And it's really just kind of a set of prayers and spiritual principles But a couple of the steps, I'm not going to go through them all, but uh, the first one is the counterfeit counterfeit versus the real, and that's where you renounce any involvement that you ever had in occult practices, false religions, Ouija board, eight ball, uh, fortune telling, anything, just to be sure you've closed every door, you know, that that you might have opened in your past. And it, uh, you know, you have a prayer where you ask God to bring to your mind anything that was along those lines. It's got lists of stuff in case you need something to jog your memory. And then uh, prayers on how to how to renounce that. Second one is deception versus truth, and that's in trying to discern what are the what are the lies the devil's already planted in your mind that are like sleeper cells. There's a, a doctrinal affirmation where you pray through the creed and declare that truth that that's what you believe. I won't get into that. Uh, the third, uh, bitterness versus forgiveness. It's a prayer asking God to bring to mind anybody that you might not have forgiven, and then a, a prayer you can pray. A- example prayer from this book. Uh, Lord, I thank you for your kindness, etc. And it's, it's pre- please bring to mind all the people I need to forgive. So you write down the names, any names that come to your mind, and then the next prayer, the last prayer there is where you pray through choosing to forgive that person for what they've done. Now, it seems a little, maybe the hokey-pokey, put your left foot here, put your right foot there. But a lot of people, they're, they're just not that eloquent in prayer, and they just like some kind of a guide to go by that this is as good as anything I might come up with. It's nothing inspired. But uh, it's a set of prayers. We've seen people really, really be helped by just kind of doing a little spiritual house cleaning personally, and you can do, kind of do it as a family, too. And again, it's, it might not have been all that necessary, but it just, you know, just make sure everything's, everything's good and clean there. But that's a, a set of seven steps of prayer, uh, particularly if your family's feeling under some kind of an attack. You know, that it gives you something really specific to do in terms of uh, spiritual warfare.
Thanks for joining us on Bringing Truth to Life. If the message has encouraged you, please subscribe and give us a review. This helps more people find our podcast. We hope you'll join us again for the next podcast of Bringing Truth to Life.